I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Take a page out of other business leaders' playbooks and get candid advice from Chris Ronzio. People, processes, productivity, and how to organize your life around it all. Join neuroscientist, management trainer, and extreme adventurer, Amy Posey, as she talks through how increasing your emotional intelligence and establishing more meaningful connections will make you a better boss. Amy and Trainual's CMO, Jonathan Ronzio, will talk through the science of empathy and emotion in the workplace and how to care more deeply and holistically about the individual members on your team. The following audio is part two of four. Yeah, I forget where I heard this quote, but something about um, that creativity and innovation is the the connection of the space between once unconnected ideas. So I, I really like uh, that you you kind of highlight that. So for for people, you know, it's it's easy to hear that, but it's maybe not that easy to um, unlock that for yourself in how you're leading your team or your training or developing that content. Um, what are some easy things that somebody can do to to kind of allow themselves to be a little more vulnerable or a little more silly in the workplace and, and feel like it will be accepted. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I don't want to discount the discomfort that comes with this because it is uncomfortable. And, and one of the things I tell new managers all the time is get used to that feeling of being uncomfortable pretty much all the time at work. And that's when you know things are happening. When you get comfortable, that's when things are too easy and, and you're not learning. Like you can have some time in that space, but, but part of it is being uncomfortable. And, and that's where it connects to um, what I believe is sort of next level skill for a leader, which is emotional intelligence. There's tons of books on it. It's all over the place. I deeply believe that people who are emotionally intelligent can tap into this. And part of that is the whole self-awareness, social awareness um, self-management, relationship management. Like those are the kind of key elements of, of emotional intelligence. If you haven't read one of the Kabillion books on it, but that idea of self-awareness and self-management, if you can understand how you want to show up and you think about your thinking before any situation where you want to prompt this feeling in others, you want to encourage them to be comfortable or sorry, uncomfortable and do wacky things and, and be silly. You've got to check in with yourself first. And so I do the exercise and people can do it along in the chat. Like if you're going to get ready to prompt people to be more creative and innovative, whatever it is, whether it's an actual creativity exercise, whether you're just going to do a brainstorm, whatever it is, um, before you walk into it, think of the three words that describe the emotional state that you want to show up in. And that's really, it's called metacognition. That's the fancy nerd word for that. But metacognition and thinking about your own thinking before you put yourself in a situation is super important. So everybody write down like, what are the three words that you would want to think about how you would want to show up in that scenario? Put them in the chat box just for fun, right? Like, is it funny, open, clear? You know, is it... Uh, quiet because you want to let other people speak is it determined is it fun like it's it can be a lot of 
that piece, right? Friendly, love that one, Leah. So part of it is what is the mood you want to set? And you can actually subconsciously influence that by being really in tune to it before you jump in. And so part of it is, I think it's, you know, check yourself before getting into these situations where you want to set other people up for the feeling you want them to feel. Because once you figure out how do I want to feel jumping in, then it's how do I want them to feel? If you want them to feel psychologically safe, because that's a phrase that I throw around, a lot of people throw around, like, what are the emotions that get tied to that? Like trusting, open, uh, clear, safe. like what does safety really mean? And so part of it is being able to just attach some labels to the feeling you want people to have allows you then to go, okay, so then what are the actions and behaviors I take to do that? Well, if I want to be open, friendly, fun, focused, how do I show up with that? Like how, what is the natural state for me to be open, friendly, fun, and focused? This is how I want to show up. What are the things I need to do for myself? Whether that's looking at some memes on Instagram before I get into something, whether that's watching a video, whether that's taking a minute, thinking about something funny, telling yourself a story, you have to get yourself in that mindset. And so if you're in that mindset, your emotions are contagious to others. We have a set of mirror neurons that eh, they're about there, but essentially mirror neurons, that's why emotions are contagious. If we go in with that feeling, even on, you know, we're all on Zoom, WebEx, Skype, whatever people are using, being able to see someone's emotions in their eyes and having that experience, you can set the stage for those experiences by thinking about being really clear and intelligent about the emotions that you have that you want to portray and bring to the table and you want others to feel. And I think being very open and clear about that is part of the steps to get people to to be more open and psychologically safe is to have those conversations and to be intentional and think about it. Intentional, such a key word there. That's such a good way to describe that because I think you're you're right like whether when you set out to define a a brand experience or a uh, employee onboarding experience, right? thinking through not just what's the first moment and what's the content that they're going to experience, but like at the very end of it, what is the feeling they're going to have after interacting with this and then designing everything back filling from there, because that feeling is, is your definition of success that you're striving for. And that gives you a kind of a roadmap to, to take those steps to get there. And, and that's it, right? Like it's, it's about creating experiences and feelings for people and everything else should be built backwards from that. And so I, I think about that all the time in everything that I create. I mean, I do a ton of sessions like this where I, I want to think about how do I want to engage people? How do I want to create the feeling? What do I want them to walk away with? And I love everybody putting stuff in the chat box around sort of these feelings. And, and part of it is giving giving truth, giving labels to those things help us work through them. But I also think we don't, um, we don't spend enough time with that intentionality and thinking about when, when you walk away, what do you want people walking away with? How do you want them to feel? And, and people have said like, what does success look like? But I, I think the emotional piece is actually much more powerful. And the reason why to get super nerdy again is we have, um, you know, the way our brain works essentially is our emotional center and our memory center. They're actually best buddies. They're right next to each other in the brain, your amygdala and your hippocampus. Your amygdala is where your emotions get processed. Very simplified way of talking about it. And your hippocampus is your memory center. They're physically right next to each other. So if you think about you want people to remember things, you need to tie 
one of the kind of four key emotions to what that piece of information or that experience is for people to remember it more effectively. So if anybody knows the four key emotions, maybe you saw that movie Inside Out. That is a brain-friendly, brain-friendly. So good. It's so good. Like it's, Um, what are the four key emotions, right? Do you know them, Jonathan? What are the four key emotions that everything sort of generates? uh, It's joy, anger, um, fear, and sadness. Yes. And so part of it is if you can harness around those feelings and at work, like if you think about joy, anger, fear, sadness, most of those are not so nice, right? Like joy, yeah, three of the four, like we are negatively, negatively weighted. So part of it is thinking about joy and the specific aspects of joy you want people to feel um, and, and getting more granular in that and working backwards to then create experiences that are memorable for people that's going to work better than any data, information, content, et cetera, et cetera. Like there are resources where people can get stuff these days, right? Like you can Google anything, but the emotional experience and feeling why people will get attached to companies, brands, teams, leaders is because they make you feel something. And, and I think that's really, um, really important in this day, especially when like we have moments like this where we're feeling more and often our feelings right now, um, I mean, I'm eating a lot of my feels and eating a lot of cakes, eating a lot of cookies, pastries, but like we are feeling when disaster happens, when crisis happens, like those feelings get intensified, those negative feelings get intensified and you have to over rotate on the joy aspect. So like events like this to, to provide joy, to provide action steps, things for people to remember and do and, and to bring in that heart, that emotion to me are so important. I also hope someone does make a t-shirt with metacognition on it. That would, I mean, I love metacognition. Oh, I do a lot of thinking about thinking. Please, please bring that to life. Uh, no, I think that's, that's perfect. And uh, I think understanding the, like, like you're talking about right now, the, the intentionality that we're bringing into understanding the emotions we're feeling because of, you know, at all times, of course, but because of the highlighted crisis in our worlds right now um, and figuring out how to, um, accept and then reassign those emotions and, you know, and tell better stories to ourselves. Right. I know one of the, the stories from your book, uh, I'll let you tell the story, but, but it's, it's, uh, the story of big wig surfer, uh, Mark Matthews and how he deals with an injury. And, yeah. uh, the term is cognitive reappraisal. And I would love yeah. to have you kind of explain that concept of cognitive reappraisal, because I think so many people will get such value in terms of how to, how to tell themselves a different story when they feel an emotion. Yeah, thank you. Because if you if you didn't actually line into this, I was just thinking like, I got a story for everybody that's going to be super useful. So Mark Matthews is an Australian big wave surfer, and he is based up uh, on the Gold Coast in Australia. And you can go watch six surfing videos of him for the rest of the day if you want. He's an amazing person, but he's also very deeply into thinking about thinking like he should be wearing the metacognition t-shirt so please order him one um so mark and i i i knew mark through my connection um with my last job and he is spectacular because he goes and tackles these giant 50 foot waves and i like surfing six foot waves is scary enough like the ocean is a very powerful beast and so mark takes on and wanted to be one of the biggest big wave surfers of all time and he is and he's fantastic his last name's matthews m-a-t-h-e-w-s and so mark um you know if you're going to surf a 50 foot wave you have some good days and you have some not so good days and so mark had gotten into uh 
an accident on Jaws in Maui and he dislocated his shoulder. And it was really interesting because at the time um, I had set up a uh, keynote for him to do to tell his story about facing fear because surfing is about sort of facing fear in the face. And he literally went to the keynote like with <laughs> with a brace on, like injured, screwed up his shoulder. He was, he was worried about it. Um, he finally healed and literally one of the first waves out, he got slammed into a reef and had a, for most people would have been a career ending injury, broke and shattered his leg. And they were potentially going to have to amputate his leg. And Mark was not in a good way. And he's he's a really upbeat and surfer dude, um, core and core. But he uh, he met a kid in the hospital who was a paraplegic who had gotten into an accident. And instantly, Mark had reframed his situation. He's like, you know what? I'm still here. I'm still alive. And had in the past used reframing and cognitive reappraisal to tell himself a more realistic, optimistic story about his day to day that nothing, nothing is insurmountable, nothing is, uh, you know, unconquerable in your life, you just have to look at it in a very different way. What do you learn from it? How do you grow from it? And, and he does that and he does it very genuinely, which I think is really hard for us because we sort of, <laughs> we tell ourselves stories and we're like, oh, I kind of don't believe that. Like our naysayer still talks and we, our naysayer in our head is so rude because, <laughs> because we would never talk to other people like that. So when I talk to people about reappraisal and reframing, what I do is I like to tell the story of Mark because he's like, you know what, in that moment, like I'm alive, I'm going to surf again. And sure enough, like he's surfing again. He got married. He has a beautiful baby daughter. I like his Instagram's filled with him taking her out surfing. It's so adorable. Um, but part of it is, you know, you have to figure out how to manage that voice in your head around reappraising things that are difficult and think about that voice in your head, actually saying those words out loud to someone else, someone you care deeply about, someone that you have great empathy for, you'd never say those things. And so don't say them to yourself. And, and, and that's part of the reappraisal process is really managing that. Um, it's, it's called the default mode network, nerd. But part of it is that voice inside your head, that radio station that plays, you need to get that going on the positive channel. There's time and place, like your body and, and your nature will keep you alive in the real tragic challenges, but you got to turn a positive radio station on to be able to reframe everything as a learning experience. And it, it changes and flips your perspective on pretty much everything that you look at, if you can do that, you don't sort of wallow in the, oh, I failed or I'm not good at that, or this is this is too tough for me. You look at it as like, okay, I can try that. If I screw it up, what am I gonna learn from it? What am I gonna take away from it? How am I gonna grow and develop from it? So reappraisal uh, is absolutely key to handling crisis and crisis situations. And it's not sort of like overly Pollyanna, but it is almost to that level where you're like, I am going to tell myself really positive stories so I can get through this. And I think, um, yes, there's growth mindset too in it. I'm definitely a, a fan of Carol Dweck and there's a chapter on growth mindset with another adventurer. So that's definitely in the book. They're tightly connected and it's being able to reframe and retell the story in a way that's not so harsh because we are super harsh with ourselves um, as well as sometimes with each other and we don't need to be. It's just in our biology. So we have to amp it up on the positive spin. I think of self-awareness and just forgiveness and, and that power of self-talk for sure. And, and it's something that maybe you don't want to do like in front of a lot of people, 
just be like verbally speaking out loud, rooting yourself on, cheering yourself positive, right? But it like, is something that, it, you know, when, when you're out there on the basketball court or, or like, you know, snowboarding some mountain, like you might be uh, talking to yourself without even knowing. And so it's important to, to like bridge those experiences back to, to how you handle that feedback and, and that, you know, perspective in the workplace. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could use this information. If you want to connect with me personally, please text me 480-531-8411 or connect with me anywhere on social at Chris Ronzio. Or you can connect with Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. See you next time.